Have you ever wanted to create cash flow outside of your job income or retirement plan? Have you considered large commercial real estate assets? Do you know about alternative investment strategies? Keep listening. This is Real Estate Revealed, hosted by Dave Seymour, the star of A&E's Flipping Boston and CEO of Freedom Venture Investments in Danvers. Get the real deal about investing in commercial real estate to create long-term, stable financial wealth. Smarten up your real estate skills now. Well, here we are. This is Dave Seymour, your host of Real Estate Reveal 104.9 FM and a very happy new year. As I've said uh, on the shows before, and I'll say it again this week, this is not your home and garden or your HGTV real estate show. Uh, this is where we delve a little deeper. We talk about real estate from the perspective of uh, finance. We talk about real estate from the perspective of investing and some of the challenges that, that people face with real estate. And I personally believe uh, we're going to have some challenges this year, 2021. It's here. We're still challenged with COVID today and, and all of the scars, the bumps and the bruises that it brings with it. But um, I found in, in business that the, the people I surround myself really are a, a testimony to the success of my business. And I've, I've got an attorney with us um, this week. A uh, friend of mine, I've known Matt for, uh, I would say, over 10 years. We, we touched gloves uh, during the, the crisis of uh, 2008. Um, he was uh, supplying services that uh, I needed as an investor and services that, uh, you know, America needed as, as homeowners back then. But um, I was looking at some of the statistics on your website, 5,000 plus real estate transactions, 1,200 uh, chapter 7, 11, and 13 cases filed and then over 500 short sales and loan modifications and uh, you know, uh, helping clients with foreclosure challenges. So um, without any further ado, uh, Matt DeRocha, are you there? Yes, I am. So Matt, look, I, um, I do appreciate you, uh, you coming on the show today. Uh, I appreciate um, you know, giving, us, giving us some time and, and some of your insights. So look, Matt, the folks that, that listen to our show, it's Saturday afternoon, it's just past 12 o'clock. Uh, maybe they're, you know, I say it every week, making lunch for the kiddies or getting ready for, for an afternoon's activities on a weekend. But, um, you know, our, our listeners are folks who have a sincere interest in, in real estate. Um, probably the majority of them are homeowners. And uh, maybe some of them have been involved with the, um, uh, the forbearance uh, program that was put out as part of COVID. But before we delve into that, Matt, share a little bit about um, your experience as an attorney, what you, you specialize in, because you're not, you're not just a, you know, um, a, a does-it-all attorney. I mean, you really have specialized and dialed in on specific areas of real estate. So for the folks listening, share a little bit about that and your, and your history and what you were doing in 2008, 9, 10. Great, Dave. First, I just want to thank you for having me on. I, I do appreciate the opportunity, and I'm glad I can give some uh, some insight into for your listeners and some insight into what we do and how I can help and how we've helped people throughout the years. Um, first, I could tell you that um, I passed the bar in 1999, and I kind of went out on my own right after that. And from 2003 to 2007, 2008. My office focused exclusively on real estate, real estate closings and purchase and sale agreements and refinances. And, and then I could see in 2007 that there was, there was going to be a shift and a change that the, the, the prices, the values of homes and how crazy the real estate market was back then, that there was going to be some changes that were coming. And I, I kind of hit things at the right time. Um, I, I made a, a serious change um, in, in philosophy at the office, as well as the day-to-day -day practice of what we're doing. Um, I still continue to do uh, real estate work, but I, I really started to focus on people that were in foreclosure and people that were struggling financially. So from, from 2008, even of course until right now, I file probably between 100 to 150 bankruptcy cases uh, a year. Wow. Certainly 2020 has been, been challenging um, just because it has been a foreclosure moratorium, which we may touch on. Um, but we're filing about 100 cases a year. And what that really tells you is that if I'm filing 100 cases a year, I'm meeting with 
maybe 200 people a year because not not everybody is going to file a bankruptcy. Um, some people, every every person that comes in has a different story, has a different challenge. Um, and what we try to do is we try to look at what their story is, what their circumstances are, on how we can use our 20 years of experience to try to accomplish whatever their goals are. Um, one of the things that we try to we, we pride ourselves in is trying to give open and honest advice. Um, we, we really love the word realistic. If a homeowner or a client is realistic, um, we really like working with them. Um, and we understand that homeowners um, usually only have one property they're dealing with. You know, they, right. they live on Main Street and they're only dealing with that property. They're only dealing with that specific lender and they only deal with their story. But we've we've represented so many people over the years and so many circumstances that we can bring up a, a wealth of knowledge to a homeowner of, of what a likely outcome is going to be. Hey Matt, um, let me let me stop you there for a second, man, because you're, you're touching on some really, really important points that um, you know they can get lost in the conversation if they're if they're not highlighted. And and a couple of things that you talked about there. First of all, everybody, every individual brings a story to the table when it comes to a financial challenge in real estate. And I think I think that's in, important for for folks to folks to hear that. But before we get into their stories, you said something that that I'm not going to leave just hanging out there because it, it needs it needs a, to be highlighted. You said that in 2005, six, seven, um, you know, you were just cranking it out doing closings as a, as a closing attorney, and then you said you started to see some changes, and the word you used was is that it was crazy in 2008 do me a favor from from because i think it's i think it this is it man this is the nuts and bolts of really what what we're going to be covering today in this interview is the fact of what did you see that that you used the word crazy in 2008 what were those indicators as as a professional real estate attorney all the work that you were doing back then what was it that in your mind said something's happening there's going to be a shift what what was what was telling you that well, what was telling me that was that there were there were just strange things that were going on. There were people, homeowners, that were refinancing multiple times in a one-year period. I would meet with a, with a client, and then six months later, I'd meet with them again. And they were consistently pulling money out of their home. It was like an ATM or a piggy bank. Mm-hmm. They were just mm-hmm. drawing more and more and more and more, paying off cars, paying off other debt, rolling everything in. And, and you could see, we'd go to a closing and, and there'd be a document in the closing package that would say that, you know, I'm a plumber and I make $12,000 a month. And they would give a loan to somebody with, with a piece of paper. One document that the loan officer prepared five minutes before closing, and they would give a, a loan to somebody, no income verification. That's the, the, the terminology, but right. and you start to see that and you just kind of shake your head. And then literally what, what actually happened was we had a series of say four or five large clients. And we were, like you said, cranking them out, 20, 30, 40 closings a month. And then literally one day, one of our clients was closed. They were just closed out of business. And then we could just see right at that point, the volume would start to shift. And, and at that point I knew something's gonna, something's gonna change. It's gonna be and when you say client, now. you're talking about the lenders, correct? Yes, that's right, that's yeah. right. A right. large, right. Two, or three, two or three large institutions just closed. They were just no longer a business. All the contacts and relationships that we had for years, they were out of work. They were all laid no off. No fundamentals, and, right? No fundamentals. No. It didn't make any sense. No. Right. No. no, I get it. I get it. Um, so that's that's 2008. And then we know what happened with, with the foreclosure crisis, you know, 9, 10, and 11. And that was when you pivoted your business to deal more with the, the you know, the, the financial challenges of the homeowners. And I was looking on the side as well, and I, I wasn't aware that you know, you're not only dealing with your practice in the in the real estate marketplace, but you also deal with IRS debt. You also deal with uh, maybe some um, uh, 
credit card debt and things of that nature as well. And you really began to fine tune your skill sets at that moment in time. I, I need to put this out there, Matt, because as an, as an investor early in my career, I was trying to help homeowners the same way you were. And when it came to the foreclosure crisis and helping them negotiate with banks, helping them negotiate debt and negotiate with lenders, as one guy, as an investor, one guy, it was uh, an incredibly emotional and draining scenario for me to be able to help homeowners. And it wasn't until um, you know I touched gloves with you back then and saw that you had built a system, if you will, very similar to what the banks had. The banks had all their um, uh, loss mitigation um, uh, negotiators. And what you did was, is you created your own version, I think, of what the banks were doing in the sense of you were at the top of the pyramid as the legal representation. And then you had negotiators working underneath you on behalf of your clients. Is that a fair, is that a fair way of, of describing what you were doing back then? Yeah, I think that that's probably fair. Um, certainly, my office was always the lead, the lead person, and, and the homeowner would would have an attorney-client relationship with with me. Yeah, and um, I had a series of paralegals that would work work for me, and we we've negotiated so many times that we we understand the things that banks look at. We understand. Um, um, what has to be paid, what doesn't have to be paid, what can be paid. Um, we understand what Fannie Mae would allow or FHA would allow um, or Bank of America because we've done it so many times. But yes, we, we, we developed a system over years and months of doing it um, that we, we became efficient and effective um, of, of getting things done. Now, I can tell you that certainly there are times when there are transactions that we simply can't complete, but I can tell you that the, the reasons why those transactions don't take place are never because of us. It's 90% uh, of the time the homeowner and probably 10% yeah. time the, the bank just refusing uh, to participate or refusing to, to uh, abide by the numbers that we've set forth. There was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of animosity towards the banks and, and Wall Street <laughs> back then. I remember dealing with clients myself that were just incredibly unhappy. And more importantly, they didn't, they didn't understand the rules of the game, right? They didn't understand right. that there was a, t a clock that was ticking and um, yep. there were boxes that needed to be ticked to be proficient and um, get where they wanted to go. Matt, we're going to take a quick break. Um, I appreciate the information you're sharing. And what I'd like to do when we get back from this break is to talk about those rules. What is a foreclosure timeline? What does it look like? What's a Liz Pendens? What's the 30, 60, 90? If it goes to a short sale scenario, there are legal rules and regulations around a short sale and if, uh, if you would, I'd love for you to describe those so that people are more educated and understanding because God forbid it happens to them. At least they've now got some resources that they can reach out to. So if you don't mind hanging in there, we're just going to take a quick break, okay? Real Estate Revealed will be right back. Today, the real estate market is booming. Mortgage rates just hit historic 30-year lows. And the New York Times recently reported that investors are snapping up real estate at rock-bottom prices. And now savvy investors are buying real estate using their IRAs that allows them to access their retirement funds to buy properties without paying any penalties or early withdrawal fees. If you have funds in your retirement account and you are interested to learn more, call Horizon Trust today at 866-712-2007. That's 866 866- 712-2007. Unlock the power of your retirement account and take advantage of one of the most profound opportunities in real estate since the housing crisis 15 years ago. Call Horizon Trust Retirement Specialist at 866-712-2007. And for a limited time, get our free ultimate guide to buying real estate with your IRA. That's 866-712-2007. Or visit horizontrust.com slash day. Horizon Trust Company is an independent passive custodian and is not associated or affiliated with and does not recommend, promote, or advise any specific investment, investment opportunity, investment sponsor, investment company, or investment promoter or any agent, employees, representative, or other of such firm or entity. Horizon Trust is not providing investment advice, advocating, or endorsing real estate. These options may or may not be a fit for individual investors. Investments are not FDIC insured, offer no bank guarantee, and may lose value. Horizon Trust doesn't receive any commissions or fees if client invests with any other sponsor. 
Thinking of purchasing a new home, second home, or investment property? Or maybe refinancing to get a lower rate, consolidate debts, drop PMI, or need cash out to do home improvements? George Kutos, mortgage officer of Cross Country Mortgage in Danvers, is just the loan officer you will need. As Essex County's top loan officer, with more than 8,000 past happy clients and over 30 years experience, George and his team will be happy to assist you. With rates the lowest in history, don't hesitate. Act now. You may be able to save thousands of dollars. Call George at 978-777-4663. You're listening to Real Estate Revealed with Dave Seymour from Amy's Flipping Boston. All right, welcome back. I'm with uh, attorney Matt DeRocha. Um, yeah, listen to those uh, sponsors that we have there. You know, Steve Balesi, number one, number one son, I would say, for uh, for all of my real estate needs on the brokerage side, 617-763-1001. You need that mortgage, right? You need that mortgage for that, for that primary residence. Uh, George Kutsos and his team standing by, 978-777-4663. And if you are going to be that educated real estate investor that I'm uh, trying to help you be here, then uh, what does your retirement account look like? Have you ever considered using self-directed retirement accounts? Um, reach out to the guys at Horizon. I mean, what would it be like if, you, if your retirement account was working at uh, two times or three times its current velocity of return? Would, you, would your retirement look a little bit different? They can help you with that. Give them a buzz at 866-712-2007. So Matt, Matt DeRocha, we were talking prior to the break there about the rules and regulations of foreclosure. Now, as an investor, we used to always talk about the 30, 60, 90 day list. Why don't we start there and share with the folks Liz Pendens and the process of a foreclosure and, and, and what that looks like? Well, let's go back to the the, 20, the 30, 60, and 90 day. I, I think what you're referring to there is uh, mortgage lates, and, and right. I think that's what you mean. So yeah. uh, th- there's there's data and information that you can buy um, where it's been reported to the credit bureaus if somebody is a 30 days later, 60 days later, 90 days late. And as a general matter, people are not going to lose their home if they're 30 days later, 60 days later, 90 days late. So far as my office is concerned, that, that's really not something that we focus on. When the heat gets turned on heavily is when you are, let's say, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten months behind. And, and what happens there is, and, and this, this concept applies back in 2008, 9, 10, and this same concept applies even now, is that the, the lender um, will typically hire a law firm and they will file a, a service member's complaint uh, against against the homeowner, um, and that is a, a lawsuit that is filed against the, the homeowner, and it's a matter of public record. Hmm. And what happens there is that the the lender is seeking a determination that the homeowner of the property is not in the active military. So this, the service member complaint is based upon a law that was, enact, that was enacted in 1940. And of course that was right around World War II and half of the male population in the United States was, was they were fighting wars on two fronts. Right. So there was a law that it was enacted that would prevent banks from foreclosing at that time when there was a service member active duty. So the court, the, the lender is seeking a determination that the homeowner is not an active duty military. Now, of course, most people are not active duty military. So it's just a matter of process for them. Um, they, they file a complaint, they serve the complaint, then there's a deadline where the homeowner has to respond. If the homeowner does not respond, then there's gonna be a judgment issued. And then once that judgment's issued, as long as the lender has met other statutory guidelines, then um, they would have the right uh, to foreclose uh, on on property. Now, the difference sort of in 2008 versus now is that back in 2008, the, the court system was not prepared. It was like one day, um, all of a sudden, there were thousands of these complaints filed and the court is, is, a, is the Massachusetts land court, and they were not prepared for it. They didn't have the staff, they didn't have the resources. There was only four judges at the time, uh, and, and they just were not physically prepared for it. And um, they were backlogged and overloaded, 
And the process back then, even though it sounds like a very simple process, um, sometimes would take a year from the time they file it um, to the time they get the judgment and they have to advertise it in the newspaper. So there's there's a long process. But the difference now is that, of course, there are a lot less people in foreclosure as we sit here today in uh, January of 2021. But that could change. That certainly could change with, with what's going on right now with, with the pandemic and the financial mess we're in at this point. But what they've done now is a lot of these complaints, um, you're able, the, the law firms are actually able now to file these electronically. So in 2008, 2009, these law firms would be mailing everything to the court, waiting for the court to open them, and there was a delay there. But now uh, the banks are going to be able to hire a lawyer that can do it from their computer. Um, They'll have an an access account, and they can file the complaint electronically. Um, So that's something that's new. That's that's just come out, um, you know, let's say in the past six months. So that was coming, I think, regardless of the pandemic issue. That was in the works anyway. So it's hard for me now to say with any degree of certainty to a homeowner, well, you have at least a year. Um, right. I think that I think that, that would be a mistake to say that. I'm thinking now from the time a service member is filed that it's anywhere from could be as quick as two months. I think it's more realistic between three to six months. I think the window is is, is shorter now right. um, because the courts have caught up. And certainly right now, like today, the filings are less. Um, but as this pandemic progresses, there is a chance that it could get back to the level that it was. I don't think it's ever going to get back to the way it was in, in 2008, 9, and 10. No, but I, I do think that I there's, going to be a, there's going to be an uptick. There's definitely going to be a substantial uptick. Uh, and I'm let already me, seeing let that. Me ask, let me ask you this, Matt. So, you know, yeah, less less foreclosures um, is, is you know, the, the prediction from, from those in the know. And, and, and I'm not going to argue that point. I, I, would, I would agree with that 100%. Um, however, if the speed of execution of the foreclosure process is now in place, and it's interesting, you say it, it just started six months ago, they enacted this. Um, you know, I don't think there's any coincidences. Um, so if, it's, if it moves faster, you know, as investors, it was real estate investors, one of the marketing slogans, for want of a better term, that we would use is stop foreclosure. You know, if you're in the foreclosure uh, funnel, uh, we can help you as investors stop a foreclosure. And the only way we could do that was with the assistance of, you know, somebody like yourself or, or, or a service. How do you stop a foreclosure, right? I know you could pay up, pay any back fees, any, you know, interest owed, any, any penalties owed. But, you know, 99%, I think, of folks who go into foreclosure um, don't come out of it. I, I might be exaggerating that data. I'm sure you would have it tighter than I do. But how do you stop a foreclosure? What are what are those proceedings or processes to do that? Well, I think it depends upon the amount of time that I have before a foreclosure is going to take place. So let me give you an example. So if somebody has a foreclosure, let's say this Monday, yeah. Um, well, the timeline is very very short. Uh, there's very limited resources that I can do to get the bank to voluntarily postpone the foreclosure. The only way right now would be to do to file a bankruptcy petition. Okay. Now, if a client has a foreclosure in 30 days or 45 days, then I have a little bit more time. There are some things that, that we can do depending upon the homeowner circumstance to get the bank to voluntarily postpone it, where we don't have to go to court, we don't have to sue anybody, we don't have to ruin someone's credit by filing bankruptcy. Um, so it depends upon the timeline. Now, now, certainly filing bankruptcy, it's a federal statute. Um, you file, it's automatic. Um, right. It's filed electronically. It can be filed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You have to be a lawyer to file it electronically. Um, you can, as a homeowner, file a bankruptcy, but you have to physically go to the court, um, you know, Boston, Worcester, and Springfield. But as a lawyer, you can file it, you know, from anywhere, from as long as you have an internet connection. I think it depends uh, on, on how much time that I have. If I have plenty of time, what I would try to do with the client is I can 
request, uh, submit a, a loan modification request, assuming the, right. the kind qualifies, and that would likely postpone a foreclosure. Can also uh, put the property on the market and sell the property. Um, sometimes it's a short sale, sometimes it's not. I've had many clients this year that we thought were a short sale, and they're not. You know, their client right. is, is selling, paying their arrears, and walking away with a bunch of money. So what we do is, in those cases, is client retains us, and what we do is we'll send a letter to the law firm, to the lender, and, and say, state in the letter that we demand that they stop the foreclosure on XYZ date because the homeowner is or has the property on the market, it's actively listed, maybe even at that point we have a, a listing agreement or a purchase and sale agreement, and I would show that to the bank, and I would say to the lender, you know, you can see that the homeowner is doing something, and I would argue that they're, they're, them proceeding uh, with their foreclosure is bad faith. And sometimes, you know, those are like legal words, bad faith. Right, they don't like right. it when they hear those types of words. So um, when they see that, sometimes that works. That that does work sometimes. And that would avoid the client having to file bankruptcy. Obviously, as well, writing a letter and having a conversation is a lot cheaper for, for a homeowner than filing a bankruptcy. Um, you know, that the costs associated with that for a homeowner are, are significantly different. Um, and we've been, we've been successful uh, in doing that. Um, certainly, if you file a bankruptcy, it's a 100% guarantee that the foreclosure will stop versus right. requesting a loan mod, you don't know. You simply don't know what's going to happen. And I'll tell you, a lot of people do a combination. They will hire us to do a loan modification or try to sell the property, and if those don't work, then they, then they transition to um, a bankruptcy if, if that makes uh, financial sense for them to do. On the loan modification side, Matt, just just for clarity, like you and I, you know, this is our this is our dialogue and our, our, our terminology, and we we understand all of it. But a loan modification for folks listening is just modifying the terms of the loan, correct? Um, the length yeah, of the so, loan or the or the interest on the loan. How, is that correct? Yeah. So so a modification is where they take your existing loan, the one that you signed three years ago or 12 years ago, and they change the terms of that loan. It's not a refinance where a new lender steps in. Uh, and what they do is they look at your financial circumstance. They look at the value of the house. They look at whether you're, the factors they go through would be, do you live in the house? Do you have a job? Do you have a source of income? Um, is there equity in the property? And then the biggest factor right now is, is whether they've been modified before. So right. if you have somebody that the mortgage is from 2004, they've been modified three times since 2004 and they're coming in now, I tell the client that the more and more you do it, the less and less chances of you getting one because you keep going back to that well. You, you get on track and then you fall behind again because right. of some circum whatever the circumstance happens to be. Um, but eventually the bank will say, we just can't continue to work with you. We, we, we want either the full amount that you owe us or we want the house. And they don't say it in those terms, but they just deny the loan modification saying, you know, you've been modified more than the guidelines permit. And it doesn't matter whether you're making 5,000 a month or 15,000 a month, they're not going to give you a modification because you, you're beyond the, the, guide, the program guidelines. The goal of the modification for the client is to is to have an affordable monthly payment. Yeah, so so what they try to do is they take what you're behind, uh, let's say it's uh, $50,000, and they take that and they'll roll that into the princi the unpaid principal balance. So if you owe 300 and then you were 50 behind, you would now owe 350 and then they would try to either recast the loan into a 30-year or right. I've seen them do a 40 year and then they lower the payment to, you know, back in the day in that 2008 to 2015 range, they, they would do like a 2% rate, which was like free money, 2%. You, you couldn't get anything at 2% back then. Uh, now <laughs> they're not doing that, right? Now it's it's probably more like three and a half to five and a half percent. That That program was from um, the Obama administration, and that that's over and done with at this point. Um, so now, what I tell clients is, look at you, you unfortunately are not dealing from a position of power. 
the, the bank has all the power at this point. So if they give, they're willing to work with you and they give you a modification, even if you're not in love with the payment, if you can afford it, you, you got to do it if you want to keep yeah. the house yeah. because it's, it's not a negotiation. They don't send you a letter and say, these are the terms. And then you write a, them a letter back and say, well, I don't like those terms. I want these terms. That, that's not how it works. Doesn't they give work. you the numbers and that's the way it is. You either take it or leave. So here's, here's the bottom line on that one. The bank's in control. Is that a fair statement? A hundred percent. Hold on to that 100%. thought, Matt. We're going to a quick break. When we get back from this break, I'd love for you to unpack the process of a short sale. So a bankruptcy we covered. We covered loan modifications. If the loan modification fails and continues to fail, the next option will be a short sale. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to unpack the short sale. This is Dave Seymour with Real Estate Revealed. Real Estate Revealed will be right back. Steve Valesis of Solaris Realty has intimate knowledge of the North Shore market. With over a decade of experience and record of 300 real estate transactions, when it's time to buy or sell property, give Steve a call directly at 617-763-1001. That's 617-763-1001. Have you ever wondered how to create cash flow outside of your job income or retirement plan? Have you considered large commercial real estate assets? Do you know what an alternative investment strategy is? Well, tune in for all the answers on my show, Real Estate Revealed. This is Dave Seymour. You might recognize me from the hit TV show, Flipping Boston. I'm also the CEO and co-founder of Freedom Venture Investments. So smarten up your real estate know-how by tuning in every Saturday for all investment details. Visit us at info at freedomventure.com slash 104.9. Call my team at 781 -9 Today, the real estate market is booming. Mortgage rates just hit historic 30-year lows. And the New York Times recently reported that investors are snapping up real estate at rock-bottom prices. And now savvy investors are buying real estate using their IRAs that allows them to access their retirement funds to buy properties without paying any penalties or early withdrawal fees. If you have funds in your retirement account and you are interested to learn more, call Horizon Trust today at 866-712-2007. That's 866-712-2007. Unlock the power of your retirement account and take advantage of one of the most profound opportunities in real estate since the housing crisis 15 years ago. Call Horizon Trust Retirement Specialist at 866-712-2007. And for a limited time, get our free ultimate guide to buying real estate with your IRA. That's 866-712-2007. Or visit horizontrust.com slash Dave. Horizon Trust Company is an independent passive custodian and is not associated or affiliated with and does not recommend, promote, or advise any specific investment, investment opportunity, investment sponsor, investment company, or investment promoter or any agent, employees, representative, or other of such firm or entity. Horizon Trust is not providing investment advice, advocating, or endorsing real estate. These options may or may not be a fit for individual investors. Investments are not FDIC insured, offer no bank guarantee, and may lose value. Horizon Trust doesn't receive any commissions or fees if client invests with any other sponsor. You're listening to Real Estate Revealed with Dave Seymour from E&E's Flipping Boston. Man, we're covering a lot of ground today. Happy New Year. I, you know, I say Happy New Year and we're talking about an unhappy topic, but um, the definition of luck is being prepared when an opportunity arises and uh, preparation is knowledge. And um, my friend, uh, attorney Matt DeRoche is with us. He's um, dropping, the, uh, dropping the knowledge, uh, sharing uh, insights of his decades of experience in dealing with real estate finances for, for, from the from the client standpoint so Matt we covered bankruptcies before we went to the break there a little bit and that and you know and that's final I mean a bankruptcy sits there for, for many many years on a credit report um, loan modification is a strategy to give the the homeowner some some breathing room with that monthly payment and they can adjust rates and length of loans but if those fail the the next strategy is is the short sale. Um, and that's where you and I met. I mean, you had uh, clients that um, we bought to you where we were able to, to help with the acquisition of the property and you did all of the, the negotiating and the heavy lifting and the process of getting it through through a short sale. So break that down for us. What is a short sale? Who's qualified? Who's not qualified? And what are some of the laws around it? Because there's, there's certain things you can and can't do uh, around a short sale process. A short sale of real estate is a situation where 
homeowner is trying to sell their property and they owe more than what the home is actually worth. And certainly that concept has changed over, let's say, the past two years because values of homes have gone up. Um, that doesn't mean that the short sales don't exist. They, they still do. They're not as, as plentiful as they were 10 years ago, but they are still there. And what we do, of course, is we, we have an attorney-client relationship with the homeowner. And what we do is we try to get the homeowner uh, – it's really an exit strategy is really what it is. The bottom line for the homeowner is they do end up losing the house. Um, and when they've exhausted all of the previous – avenues of bankruptcy, a loan modification, a a reinstatement. They've tried everything and they've come to the realization that those things are not going to work. So the only choice I really have is to sell the the home. Um, And and the benefits to homeowner in in a short sale situation is um, they get time. They're able to exit under their own terms and conditions. They're not being foreclosed on and evicted and having people on their front stairs and investors and people, uh, 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 new owners coming, knocking on doors and threatening evictions. You, know, you, you get to leave under your own two feet. Um, you get to have a little bit more control. Um, and that that's, goes a long way uh, for people. And sometimes the timing is good too. And an average timeline for a short sale is four to six months and, and I certainly have seen them go on longer than that and sometimes the homeowner just wants that that additional time so that they can get their financial house in order but get their physical house and figure out a place where they're going to go and their family's going to live uh, the other benefit to them is that what we request on every short sale is really two things one is a waiver of the deficiency. Yeah, that's and important. If they owe, let's say, 400000 and it's worth only 300000 technically they still would owe the bank that $100,000 difference. What we do as part of the process is we get some type of a document that is going to waive that $100,000. And then, of course, they don't owe that money. Um, and I think there's there certainly is some benefit to that for the, for the homeowner. And they do have some peace of mind that when they leave the house for the last time and they, they sell the property that they can really leave and they're really closing a chapter of their life and they know that there's not any not going to be any more repercussions for them financially uh, and they can kind of move on. That's a moment where they can exit with, with dignity. You know what I mean? Yes. I, I, think, I yep, think that's an appropriate word to use there. And, and I think that's a great word. Uh, yeah, it's important what you say about that deficiency as well because there were a lot of when when the crash happened in 2008 and I know you saw this as well man there was there was all of a sudden everybody was a short sale expert and there were these 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 companies that popped up nationwide and locally and they didn't necessarily always have the 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 client's interests at heart and that was what what drew me to you as an investor back then was is you had you know, you had the professional relationship with the clients, that, that attorney-client relationship where, um, you know, we had a, almost like a fiduciary responsibility. You had a legal and ethical responsibility, and the client's well-being was taken care of because there were, there were folks who just jumped on the short sale bandwagon as homeowners, you know, thought it was their exit strategy, and then six, eight months, a year later, they were getting you know, taxable income from the bank for $175,000, which just put them deeper in a hole going forward. So I only bring that up, Matt, because if this happens or when this happens and people are, you know, in that position to, to, to you know, be, be wary of that, right? Connect with, with, the, with the right people, with the professionals when it comes to these services. So on the short sale side, is a scenario for you. I'm going into a short sale. I can't afford my house anymore. I owe more than it's worth. Um, I, I've, I've got a buyer that's going to come in and the bank says, you know, yeah, we'll take 300000 300, for your house. And you know what I want to do, Matt? I want to sell it to my son. Can I do that? No, all the parties involved in the transaction have to sign a, an arm's length affidavit that um, basically says that the person that's buying the property is not related to you, the, the seller, uh, by blood, marriage, uh, or commercial enterprise. And huh. that 
obviously would not be it would be a violation of that um, affidavit. Now you, there have there are cases where you can ask the bank to uh, avoid from signing that document, and I have seen that happen, but that is very very rare. And what they're trying to do, of course, is prevent. Uh, people from you know profiting off of not paying paying the payment. Now the the big question that I always get about that issue, because homeowners that the seller themselves, my client, it, it, they don't they don't really care in some cases. They'll say, well, I don't mind signing this document, but I say, well, that's fine because you're like losing your house, you're struggling financially, so it's not a big deal. But the person that's buying it, your son, your uncle, your cousin, they have a lot to lose because they have to sign that document too. And they are in a financially much more a stable position than you're in at this point. So certainly if I'm involved um, and I'm representing the seller, I can't represent the buyer. So the buyer is going to get their own attorney and that attorney hopefully is going to say the same thing that I'm saying. Yeah. And I try with a 10 foot pole, try to avoid those types of transactions right from the beginning. I get that question a lot. And if I feel, don't, if I don't feel comfortable with a homeowner in those types of situations, I, I would, I would at some point decline to represent that person if yeah. they were insistent upon that type of circumstance. Um, and it doesn't make any sense as well for me to do four or five, six months worth of work and then all of a sudden I find out at the end that the person buying it is the neighbor or right, you know, my cousin right, right, or somebody right. and I'm gonna be upset because I did all this work and now I'm not comfortable. And so what about this one? Because I used to get this one all the time when we were doing short sales. Yeah, I'll short sale my house to you like I'm an investor, I'm gonna buy the house, right? The, the homeowner would say, yeah, I'll do a short sale with you, you buy the house, but I want you to rent it back to me. Can we do that? Um, I think that that would um, likely violate the short sale affidavit as well because <laughs> because that is a commercial enterprise. You're entering into a business transaction. Some, some of those affidavits, they are a little bit unique. Every bank uses a, a variant uh, version. And some of them actually say exactly that. They say, you know, there is no agreement between the buyer and the seller to rent the property back to the person. So yeah, you, you, that would be a that'd be problematic uh, as well. What about buying the property? I'm just throwing these all at you. I know the answers, sure. but it's a it's a great way it's a great way to get some education out there as well. Um, yeah, we'll do a short sale. I'll buy the house for I don't know maybe three hundred thousand. I'm an investor, and then what I'll do is is I'll pay the homeowner like a uh, forty thousand dollars on top of that outside of the closing. Am I allowed to do that? Yeah. Can I pay him no. for for the like no? Absolutely, positively Why not. Why not? Would... Come on, man. They're hurting. I want to give them some money, Matt. Uh, what are you doing? If, if you want to commit mortgage fraud, then by all means, <laughs> um, you can go and do that. Uh, but no, you, you could not do that either. I'm sure with the amount of transactions that was going on, I'm sure that those types of things, I'm yeah. sure that they happened. Yeah. Um, but yes, you would be violating federal law. There are several people that have gotten in trouble nationwide and locally um, in Massachusetts, in New England, that have gotten in trouble for those types of those types of exact things. Um, and whether you're an investor, whether you're a real estate agent, um, whether you're a hard money lender, if you get wind of things like that, uh, I tell people to run, run, yeah. run, run. Yeah, run Business away. Do what's worth right. It. Yeah. Yep, the amount of money you're going to make is not worth it. Um, there's always another transaction after this one, um, and um, uh, I, I, I take my own advice. I do the same thing. If I feel like yeah. there's something going no, I on, I, I will decline to take the client. All right. Look, we got a, we got a couple of minutes, and um, I would like your insights, if you will, Matt, your take on the CARES Act, the one that was passed back in, what, April, May. What do you see the landscape looking like in the in the residential marketplace with regard to the forbearance uh, and those kinds of things? And and I know we've we've got, we've got short time here before we go into sure. our next break, but I'd, I'd appreciate maybe if you could sum it up what you what you anticipate and maybe what you're doing in your own business to get ready for for what's coming next. So the CARES Act um, is, is still good law. Um, back in March, 
that was passed. The things that related to my practice specifically was there were some changes to the bankruptcy code that were helpful for existing clients and future clients that extended the timelines. There was also a moratorium that was placed um, on all uh, federally owned, federally insured mortgages. So Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, VA. And then there were these forbearance incentives that were presented that, uh, and, and this is where there's been a lot of talk in the media about, well, what is a forbearance? And, and, and I've been presented with actual documents of what a forbearance is. And, and I tell the, the client, you have to be very, very careful. You have to read what the forbearance language says. And what I've seen th that they say is they'll say something like, well, we're going to, you don't have to make a mortgage payment for, let's say, six months. And the next logical question is, well, okay, when, when we get to the seventh month, what happens with the six months that I, that I haven't paid? Right. What most of them say is, well, we'll deal with that in when we get the seventh that. month. Yeah. <laughs> and that is the problem. And what, what that, here's what that tells me. That tells me that they're going to say to you in the seventh month, we'll reassess. Uh, and then what they'll do is, okay, we're going to give you another three-month forbearance. And then the, you'll ask the same question, well, what will happen after these three months? Well, we'll address that at that time. And then what will end up happening is eventually they're going to stop giving out those forbearances. And then all those people are going to be scrambling and they're going to say things like, well, your representative on the phone told me that they're going to roll it into the loan. Well, I don't know whether those conversations existed or not. That's why you got to read the document. So if the document certainly says it's going to be rolled in, then they would have to roll it in. If it is doesn't say anything or it's silent or it says we will address it at that time, then what is addressing it at that time mean? In my mind, what that means is they're going to send you a bill for the however many months that you, you are behind and you have to pay it in full, or they'll, they'll say, we have a loan modification program for this and you have to submit for a loan modification. But the fact is, there's no guarantee you're gonna get a loan modification. And that's where this 2008 scenario starts to come back. It starts yeah. to be like all these people who now are in forbearance, maybe they're not working now, they go back to work in six months from now, and now they go back to the lender and they don't qualify. Or there's gonna there's there's no guarantee that there's gonna be a modification for you at that point. Now we're we're flashed back to 2008, 2009, and that's when things are gonna uh, go haywire. Man, I, we need another two hours <laughs> to 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 cover all the ground that I want to cover with you. Are you open to coming back on the show maybe in the next six weeks, eight weeks or so and picking up from this point and, and continuing again? Because I think the conversation, we, we might be a little bit early in this conversation. I don't think so. But I also believe that um, it would be very powerful to, to have you back on and share some more of what you see going on um, and see where some of these forbearances have, have landed. Would you, would you be up for doing that? Absolutely. All right, cool, cool. Let's do this. Matt, where can folks get a hold of you if they if they want more information, if they they want to have a, a consultation with you? Because I know you, you do that for free. Um, where can they get a hold of you, man? Sure. So my office number uh, is 781-279-1822. My office is in Reading, Reading, Mass. Um, my website is um, mtdlawma.com. That's my initial, so mtdlawma for Massachusetts.com. We do, of course, offer free consultations for, for everybody. Of course, because of the government governor rules and because of what's going on with COVID-19 right now, we, of course, offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations. We're happy to do that. Um, we want everybody to be comfortable in getting good advice and be safe. All right. I love it. 781-279-1822. Attorney Matt DeRocha in Redding, Massachusetts. Matt, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for sharing all the information. Real Estate Revealed will be right back. 
thinking of purchasing a new home, second home, or investment property? Or maybe refinancing to get a lower rate, consolidate debts, drop BMI, or need cash out to do home improvements? George Kutos, Mortgage Officer of Cross Country Mortgage in Danvers, is just the loan officer you will need. As Essex County's top loan officer, with more than 8,000 past happy clients and over 30 years experience, George and his team will be happy to assist you. With rates the lowest in history, don't hesitate. Act now. You may be able to save thousands of dollars. Call George at 978-777-4663. You ever wondered how to create cash flow outside of your job income or retirement plan? Have you considered large commercial real estate assets? Do you know what an alternative investment strategy is? Well, tune in for all the answers on my show, Real Estate Revealed. This is Dave Seymour. You might recognize me from the hit TV show, Flip in Boston. I'm also the CEO and co-founder of Freedom Venture Investments. So smarten up your real estate know-how by tuning in every Saturday for all investment details. Visit us at info at freedomventure.com slash 104.9. Call my team at 781 Steve Valesis of Solaris Realty has intimate knowledge of the North Shore market. With over a decade of experience and record of 300 real estate transactions, when it's time to buy or sell property, give Steve a call directly at 617-763-1001. That's 617-763-1001. You're listening to Real Estate Revealed with Dave Seymour from Amy's Flipping Boston. I feel a little bit depressed. I got to be honest with you. I mean, it's a new year. People are making New Year's resolutions, you know, lose a couple of pounds, maybe get rich this year, uh, get rid of the COVID uh, cloud that's hanging over our heads. You know, the, the short sale discussion, the financial discussion around real estate you know, it can be a little bit depressing, but here's, here's what I found, and I found this back in 2008, and I'm seeing it again now in the commercial world, is that um, the, the ostrich mentality is, is a very dangerous strategy, and you know what I mean by that, right? Um, I'll just worry about it tomorrow, worry about it tomorrow, worry about it tomorrow. Off air, as the attorney, Matt DeRosha, was leaving, he said, you know, the strategy is for a lot of people is kick the can down the road. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like the federal government all the way down? 6.2, $6.5 trillion in debt. And we'll let, uh, you know, the Biden administration deal with it or the one after that or the one after that. Uh, it's the mentality of, of burying your head in the sand and, and kicking the can down the road that just causes damage. It's a painful, damaging way to be. And, you know, the discussion doesn't need to be, I believe, depressing. I think, I think knowledge is power when implemented. And um, how are you doing? That's the question that, that, that just needs to be asked. Are you okay? You know, does the financial strategy that you have in place around your primary residence, if you're an investor, what does that look like? Um, are you just in the stock market, which is um, incredibly valuable right now, I believe. Um, you know, Tesla is trading on future valuation, not on, not on reality. Amazon, Apple, Right? Do you have part of that? What is it? Fang? Is that what they call it? The Fang stock, Google and Amazon and Netflix. And I mean, is that your world? Um, and if it is, are you okay with it? Uh, is your financial advisor giving you all of the layout of the land with regard to, to COVID? Yeah, I am the CEO of Freedom Venture Investments. We kind of didn't touch on that at the beginning of the show. I went straight into it with, with the attorney because I know how powerful the information is that he has, but I got some powerful information too. I'm the CEO of Freedom Venture Investments. You may recognize my, my dulcet tones and my slight English accent from the hit TV show, Flip in Boston. And you might not, and that's okay too, but we are a, a real estate investment company and we take care of the fears, doubts, and insecurities for um, potential uh, investors, folks who are maybe looking to retire in the next 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, and what do we do? We take investment capital from accredited investors uh, and we put it to work in our real estate investment fund. And you can get all of the details uh, about what we do, my team, uh, my resources at freedomventure.com, www.freedomventure.com. You can also call us directly at 781-922-4418. But we've been in a position and I've been in a position now for, for almost a year where we started to look at the landscape that was created with COVID. And just to the attorney's point, the, the forbearances, 
and the single family marketplace and the amount of migration that we've seen because of COVID. Uh, I read some data today, it blows me away. Rental property in New York City is at the same price it was 10 years ago. Say that again, rent prices in New York City are at a 10 year low. They're where they were 10 years ago. 333,000 people have left New York City. Uh, the migration out of Boston, the migration out of Philadelphia, the migration out of DC, the migration out of all of our, our metropolises is real. And with migration comes that opportunity again, right? Hey, you're just lucky. No, I'm prepared when the opportunity arises. And the preparation is to be able to buy good cash flowing real estate assets. Now, I'm not talking about a, a six fam or a three decker in East Boston. Uh, we invest in large uh, multifamily assets in the Gulf Coast region of Florida. And look, us snowbirds love Florida, don't we? I mean, we got some nasty snow recently and it was cold again. And my partners down in Florida are just making fun of me because I'm sitting up here with my, my sweater on and my heater going. But um, we invest in, in cash flowing assets in the Gulf Coast region of Florida. And we buy 40 to about 140 unit apartment complexes. And the, the investment strategy that we bring investors into, retail investors, folks just like you may be listening to this show, folks who are looking for a place to put capital to diversify in the portfolios. And I'm telling you right now, listen to me carefully, your financial advisors won't share this information with you. It's not in their, their book of tricks. It's not part of their offerings. Uh, this is outside of the norm. This is outside of the stock market. But this is what the one percenters have been doing, investing in real estate for decades to create generational wealth. Um, so we invest in, in large apartment complexes, 40 to 140 unit complexes, Gulf Coast region of Florida, for, um, uh, Tampa, uh, Dunedin, uh, Fort Myers, all the way up to Orlando. Um, and we buy these properties under a strategy that's called Core Plus. The Core Plus strategy means this in simplification. Core means cash flow. So it's already bringing in money when we buy it. Plus means we have the ability to reposition it. We usually do this through getting rid of bad management and putting in our management team, reducing the expenses, increasing the income by raising the rents a little bit, leasing up empty units, repositioning the asset. And the more money an asset makes or brings in, we call it NOI, net operating income, the more valuable that asset is and it trades at a higher um, uh, cap rate is what we call it or capitalization rate. But you, you don't need to worry about all of that. Basically, it's like the TV show that I had flipping Boston, only on steroids. Instead of taking one house or a three unit, rehabbing it and making it more valuable and selling it on, we take 40 to 140 unit apartment complexes and kind of do the same thing with it. And look, I've got some pretty powerful business partners. Kevin Harrington from the TV show Shark Tank is our business development um, uh, member of our team. Uh, my partner, Walter Novicki, uh, he's a quarter of a billion dollars worth of these kinds of transactions in the Florida marketplace. 2021 is here. God willing, uh, COVID will be a, a you know just a painful memory uh, sooner rather than later. And as the dust settles and we all begin to readjust, and hopefully the small businesses that survived uh, are beginning to turn the corner. Um, your, your, your retirement accounts hopefully are, are, are stabilizing. They're they're, they're okay. What is what are you going to do different this year? We offer institutional quality investments to you, the investor accredited investors, minimum investments are $100,000, and we can give you information. If you don't meet that accreditation today, that's okay. Talk to us. Call us at 781-922-4418. Um, and let's, let's have a conversation. Go to our website, freedomventure.com. Take a look on there at the assets that are in our pipeline. You'll have a chance to meet our team through video and through um, podcasts. You'll also be able to listen to some of the past episodes of Real Estate Revealed. We're now in uh, uh, a couple of different uh, marketplaces because we're, we're airing it out as a podcast as well. So we're getting traction everywhere. And I truly appreciate all of the questions and the conversations that we have off air. Um, I get to understand more about what the needs are. And I am listening to you, the, the, the homeowner. 
and we can help you there as well. When you go to that website, click on Freedom Venture Homes, FM Homes as well. Uh, we're able to help you out with your home challenges as a homeowner. So as I say every week, look after each other. God bless. Next week, I'm bringing on a fantastic lady. Her name is Pam Barty. Pam is a developer right here in Boston. She's a beautiful lady. She's a young woman. She's aggressive. And uh, she's got a story to share with us as well. So God bless. And I'll talk to you all next week. Dave Seymour, Real Estate Review. Any securities being offered are under an exemption provided by SEC Regulation D Rule 5060. Only accredited investors who meet the SEC Regulation D 501 accredited investor accreditation standards or who provide suitable verification of accredited status may invest into these offers. Any historical performance data represents past performance. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Tune in again next Saturday at noon for Real Estate Revealed, hosted by Dave Seymour, the star of Amy's Flipping Boston and CEO of Freedom Venture Investments in Danvers. The prior show was a paid program that does not express